Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis. This is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be chatting with parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. She's going to share her strategies for surviving the daily grind during this era of social distancing between juggling, working from home, virtual schooling, you know it. How can parents offer kids predictability and stability amidst all this uncertainty? Okay, let's talk to parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. How are you doing, Allison Schaefer? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm, you know, I'm hanging in. Um, life has actually been fairly uh, unchanged for me in the sense that almost everything I was doing before I had some version that I could do remotely. I'm just living life more remotely, but most of my activities have been pretty much the same. So I'm, I'm hanging in. You? Yeah, pretty good, actually. I'm, you know, surviving. Uh, you know, I, listen, it's working from home is new to me. Um, and, and, uh, not that I ever was hoping that I would ever do it, but I missed putting on my coat, going down the sidewalk, getting in the car and driving somewhere. Um, and then after I come home, putting the keys down on the front table and saying, okay, I'm done with work right now. It seems to go on and on and on because, you know, we're finding a new timeline for all of us to work in. And it's really difficult. Plus you're dealing with your partner's, uh, you know, uh, work and, and perhaps what we're going to talk about your kids. So yeah. it's a lot. It, so is, you, it is a lot. And, and to your point, you know, I have uh, been working, I've worked from home, um, you know, and I've had office space as well. And sometimes I worked at home while I was going to school. Sometimes I had a nanny. Sometimes I had my partner with me. I've probably done every version that there is. But when I first started, you know, 20 years ago, I had to go for therapy myself. And the only variable I had was just figuring out how to work from home. I found just figuring out, to your point, how you make a division between home and work psychologically and yeah. physically. I, I had to learn so many coping skills that for parents today to be thrown into this unexpected with no support and the homeschooling, the whole package and the worry about what's going on with the economy and yeah. potential unemployment and, and a potential a life-threatening disease. I mean, the whole thing all together is creating an incredible amount of stress on the family structure. So um, I, I'm glad that I'm able to help uh, parents and help families. I'm glad the government's stepping up with some relief and giving money mm-hmm. to some mental health professionals to, to make that more readily available. But we're having a mental health crisis right now on top of all of it. And um, so we really got to take this seriously. Let's talk about what you learned 20 years ago, which you are now applying now to your everyday life. It's about coping, coping. Um, everybody finds their own strategies. I saw something on Instagram today about a woman who works from home. She's got three kids all under the age of about 15. And she's got a little little sign up near her door. It says, uh, the red dot means I'm available right now. The blue dot means mommy is on the phone. The, you know, the green dot. Anybody, like, just so when the kids come up and they go on the door, oh, mommy's on the phone right now. There's a blue dot on the floor, on the, on the, on the uh, door. Anything to help cope. So let's talk about coping because mental stability is really um, very thin right now. Yeah. 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 So I, I love that life hack. 
um, <laughs> with the, the, with the dots. I, I think that's awesome. I would definitely say that, um, uh, that because everyone's situation is slightly unique, some people have another partner at home, some have somebody doing emergency work. So you might be working and have no other person and you might have a kid who's a toddler. Right. So, the, you know, the idea that you can close yourself behind a door for hours on end with a unsupervised toddler is, is just not going to work. So right. there's no cookie cutter answer that's going to, that's going to, you know, fit everybody. It's not a one size prescriptive thing, but I can give some ideas that, that can help people. So I do think you still need to have a division between working and not working and figure out what that might look like for your situation. Um, it's, it's the creating the psychological boundary and your, your, your example of putting the keys on the counter you might still do that. You might actually say, when I'm working, I put this red toque on, or I put these ear these earphones on, or mm-hmm. I put on this sweater, <laughs> or do something symbolic that says I am shifting into work mode. And the more uh, vi- visual that it is, the more your kids are going to understand, oh, I get it. This isn't playtime, um, that, that there's this work mode and not work mode. Trying to multitask is going to make you feel like you're a crappy parent and a crappy worker. So you Mm -hmm. might have to do it in small um, time blocks. So for older kids, um, I would say you could go about 40 minutes where Mm -hmm. you're saying you need to play independently. I'm now going to go do 40 minutes of work. And every 40 minutes, that's kind of when we get up and get another coffee or go to the water cooler at work anyways. So, and kids can kind of tolerate if you get them set up, like what will you do? Well, I am busy on this phone call um, and get them initiated. It's the finding something to do that often kind of throws kids up. So anything else you need from me? Because I'm not going to be available. Um, If you got your water, if you got your snack, if you got your puzzle, if you got your whatever, great. I am now going into work mode. Either close the door with the little stickers or put the headphones on if you're working at the dining room table, whatever it is. And, and, And then it's really about uh, showing our kids experientially that we're not going to be interrupted. Right, right. Now, what I love about, they told us at the get-go, which you and I talked about on the radio station at 104.5 Chum, we talked about making a schedule. Now, we're we're, we're in deep now with this time being yeah. uh, social distancing. So if you have gone off the tracks a little bit, it's never too late to make a schedule. So let's talk about, you know, making life predictable for our kids. That's really important, isn't it? But that's um that's a lot of what the point of the schedule is it's it's not only for our own sanity as parents but it's also a way of helping kids um develop patience um because if they know if they can anticipate if they can see the flow even if they are again maybe not of reading age you can still make a schedule that has symbols you know there a little picture of a cereal bowl means it's breakfast time and a little mm-hmm. picture of a book means it's reading time they can figure that out but then they sort of see that there is this progression through the day and when they see it mapped out if you have to say i can't play with you right now i'm working you can point to the schedule and say see here this is this is when i come play with you this is when i come read a book with you and you're much more likely to have a child say oh oh okay i need to delay my gratification of being with mom because it's it's coming up and I can wait and they and they exercise that muscle of a delayed gratification if we show them that the payoff is you actually will sit and read with them 
according to the schedule. So you, you do to need to be, to be true to it. But otherwise kids are like, I don't know when you're working. I don't know when you're not working. I don't know when we have snack and when we don't. So my strategy is to bug you constantly until I wear you down. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, so that's very, that's tiring. It's tiring for the parents. It's, and it's exhausting for the kids. But I think especially in this day and age, um, and, and with younger kids in general, when life is unpredictable, because we don't, you know, we're out of our, the normal flow of daily life, right. um, it, it creates anxiety for our kids too. And so this is really a mental health request that I'm asking of parents to please spend the time to, to get that schedule together and do it with your children. It should be a conversation. It's not something you impose on your kids. It's something that we invite into the conversation um, and get a little bit of, of buy-in from them. Mm-hmm. And um, and co-create it together and get it posted so that it's up there. And and again, does it mean it's the be-all and end-all? Are you going to get mad when things go astray? No, but you've got some scaffolding. And, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. circle back. Like some people were on a schedule at the beginning of this pandemic who might say, you know what? The kids are complaining because all the boring stuff's in the morning. Let's shake it up. We can. It's iterative. We yeah. can we can shake it up and say, let's make it a better schedule. <laughs> you can deviate from the schedule. One thing that I learned from you a long time ago, and it really applies now, Allison Schaefer, is the fact that the, the kids are going to remember the experience with you more than anything else. That's the takeaway. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. The kids are experiential learners. And, um, you know, we, it's interesting how, you know, you probably, I know you've talked about this, your sisters and you growing up and it's like, you could, you could have all have gone on the same family trip or whatever. And one will remember the leaky tent and the other one will remember the sunny beach. And you're like, yeah, did we go on the same vacation? How come we have wildly different memories? Um, but that doesn't mean we can't think about what, you know, what would we like our kids to remember about this? What do we want our kids to learn experientially? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and work towards that, uh, as the, the, the end goal. Um, right. so, so yes, they, everybody are, will remember differently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's out of our, that's out of our control, but you know, parents who just going back to the work analogy, you know, if we say, if you say to your kids, you know, I'm working, don't bother me. I'm working, don't bother me. I'm working. You can't interrupt me. I'm working. You can't interrupt me. Uh, a, a lot of what they understand is, well, you say you're working, but I, I can actually interrupt you all I want. Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I would say, I think it's easier to, to really show them that you're not available when you're yeah. working. Right. And, right. but then to, to your point, when, when you're, when you're done, how wonderful to have this opportunity to really connect with kids. And I've had so many parents say that there's these surprising benefits that they're discovering. Um, and teens too, can I tell you? So parents have said things like, I haven't had a dinner as a family in, you know, the, mm-hmm. that I can remember. And now I've had a month of them or whatever, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, I love it. We, family dinner is back. It's in vogue. Mm-hmm. It's happening. People are mm-hmm. loving it. And I had a teenager say to me, you know, I didn't really know what my parents did at work. I was always kind of miffed that they were, they were busy and didn't have time for me. And, but now I listen to my, my parents talk on the phone and I hear them work and I, they're like, they're really important people. They work hard. They have a stressful job. Um, I have a new respect now that I'm a, a more of a witness to what daily life is like for them, you know? Um, and I have these little conversations where I wouldn't normally text my dad some little thing that crossed my mind, but since he was getting a cup of coffee, 
I just mentioned it. And next thing you know, we had this conversation and I don't know, I'm kind of getting along with my dad. I, we got things to talk about. So there's, right, there are right. some really lovely benefits to have. There are some benefits and I love that. And I just, I would just, I was thinking back in the day if my, if I had my sisters all in the same house with my mother and my father, my father would have had us at the dining room table learning geometry. My mother would have said, you know, everybody take turns making a meal. I mean, it would have worked out some way, shape or form. <laughs> that yeah. is for sure. Now, uh, one of the great things that you talk about, Allison Shaper, we're talking to Allison Shaper, who's a parenting expert, allow your kids to be bored. Yep. Expand on that. So I, I think parents think that if their kid is bored, that somehow they're being negligent, that every minute of the day should be uh, based on doing something of merit where you're improving yourself and you should be learning and growing and developing and that somehow boredom got associated with laziness. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, we get this almost a, this moral imperative to, to get rid of, of boredom. Don't be lazy. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. But the truth is boredom is really important. Um, it can be an uncomfortable feeling, uh, but a lot of kids confuse um, confuse being relaxed with being bored because, you know, we live in this very fast paced frenetic world with, you know, being able Mm -hmm. to check your phone and check a feed and little multitask with these little devices in our hands. Um, and it's, it's actually okay to just sit and let our mind wander. And in fact, kids really can't be bored. What ends up happening is they sit in this, uh, this uncomfortability and it becomes the fuel that says this is rather meaningless, you know, or this isn't being active. Let's make something active. And so they actually get creative. What ends up happening is when parents intercept too early because the moaning of the, I'm bored, I don't have anything to do, I'm bored. When the parents solve that dilemma, Mm. they rob the child of the experience of developing the creativity muscle. And um, that's interesting that we need to exercise the creative muscle. Um, You know, and you, you think about the creation of a game, you know, I look at, there's a whole history of games and games around the world. You can go to museums of, of games and, you know, you think about, countries where the kids have no games, unlike North American homes, where the average kid has 500 toys at any given moment in their playroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll, they'll figure, they'll find a stick, a bottle cap and a broken wheel, and they'll turn that into some elaborate game and they'll make rules with one another. And if you touch this, you have to freeze for so many seconds. And it's amazingly beautiful what free play and the creation of a game is. So why, why um, do we feel that we have to fill that time in? Because you and I, I'm, I know I'm a little older than you, but I just remember my mom going, have a great day. And I go down into our backwoods and I'd be there for hours. She'd call me up for lunch. I would have lunch. I felt that she was interrupting my day. And then went back down to the woods again. Right. And I was just doing stuff. I was building a fort. I was doing, and I, nobody bothered me. That There's something free in that. And I think it's because she was exhausted and yeah. she had to get stuff done. But it was like, why but that's do, that's brilliant that? though. I, I want I want parents to be exhausted and to get stuff done. I actually yeah. that, that is the big thing about this whole parental guilt. Everyone's like, I don't have time for my kids, I don't have time for my kids. I'm like, thank goodness, finally, parents don't have time for their kids. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> things will improve now. Um <laughs> that, that in fact kids need the freedom to be self-directed. They need to do things without somebody helicopter overing them or snow plowing ahead of them and all these other things that we think are so well-intentioned that are really just examples of hyper-parenting, over-parenting, and, and kids have this missed opportunity of being independent, of solving solving problems of their own, on their own, getting creative. I'm sure when you were down in the woods and something happened and you looked after it, you probably went, wow, I'm pretty capable. You know, I, I, 
I stubbed my toe, but I picked myself back up and helped yeah. myself to a Band-Aid and got back at it. And that, so and those, those are great memorable times for me yeah, too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah. I think um, parents don't need to feel guilty. Kids can come up with their own creative uh, play and, um, and they can get into a little bit of danger. I mean, they are still within the confines of your house. I mean, if you haven't child-proof <laughs> by now. <laughs> uh, 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 so true. Hey, I like this part. And this is uh, teaching kids independent skills. Like this is a washing machine. And this is how you use it yeah. or simple meals like, Hey, you want to make a, a dad and I a sandwich for, for lunch? You know, that sort of thing. Is that where you're going on this? Yeah. I mean, what we've discovered too, Marilyn, is that we've got a lot of kids that are quite smart and get ready to uh, be launched to go off to college and university. And it turns out that they're dropping out in droves because it's not that the kids aren't smart. They don't know how to live away from home. Um, I, I actually, I mean, to the extreme where I actually know a family that has sent their nanny to university with their, (gasps) I know, I know it's, but it gets it because they've got got no life skills. Um, so we do have to teach our kids, uh, not only how to, to, to have some of these life skills, not only for their, for their own, uh, independence, but to your point about making the sandwich, it, it make lunch for other people. The idea that part of having these skills is that we need to be in the service of our fellow people to be helpful to one another. Mm-hmm. And that and that's, that feels so good. It's another piece to the mental health equation we're talking about, where when your kids are out banging on the pots and pans for the first line workers, they're, they're actually doing something. They're lifting the spirits of a fellow person. And to be able to say, mom's working really hard. I'm going to make lunch for the family. That's a beautiful contribution to how the family's functioning. It makes a child feel important, makes them feel, it's like it overcomes their existential angst of why am I here? Like you have a purpose, Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. important to us, you contribute. So now that we've got all this time on our hands, because it's so funny, right? We either went from what am I going to do with the kids? They're home all day. This March break never ended to, Mm -hmm. you know, now um, I got no time. I'm completely overwhelmed. Like there was no in between there. It seems None. to have jumped from one to the other. But You're a right. lot of the reasons why parents would say, you know, I never taught my kids to cook or I, I never taught them to do the laundry is because we use the argument, I was too busy. Mm. You know, I, I didn't have time. To, I just wanted things to be sane. I just had to get them out the school to school on time. It's just easier if I do it myself. I'll do a better job of it. And if we can now say, look, we got a little time on our hands. So it's okay, you know, to, to do things slower. So yeah, you know what? Teach your kids how to use the washing machine. Teach them how to cook something on the stovetop other than, you know, mm-hmm. ramen noodles that they're going to live right. of right. for, you know. And, uh, and use this, make that one of your activities of the day is learning a life skill. I will tell you uh, memorable times from childhood for me was when I started doing chores um, in the sense of, I felt like an adult. So they would call on Marilyn to do that or Maureen to do that or Miriam to do that. These are my sister's names. And I went, how can Miriam get to do it? I don't get to do it. Then one day I got that. And I felt like I am being recognized in the family. I mean, the jobs were appropriate, age appropriate, but yeah. I just felt like, I don't know, validity. There was some validity to it. So I, it meant that, that your parents came at it with the right approach. You know, and again, to that sort of subjective perception of the child, a lot of the resistance that kids get to doing chores is that they feel like they are being indentured servants to their parents. And if you look at the kinds of things that we ask kids to do, a lot of them are rather janitorial. You know, it is cleaning the kitty litter box and vacuuming and, all. you know, they're not janitors. Yes, those things need to be done, but like we could get a little creative. If you've got somebody who is very organized 
help them organize, you know, the linen closet or the whatever. If, if somebody is, is really tech savvy and loves to spend time on the iPad, get them to create, you know, a the grocery list and organize it by categories. And how about, like how about this? How about this? Organize all the family photos. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and so when you think about it as you've got gifts and talents and our family has a pain point that needs some help, how could you show up in our family in a way that would help? So it's not to say we, you know, that everything has to be, um, elevated into some big thing, but to, but to, to come at it with the spirit, with that spirit, not like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I pay the rent, you live here, you yeah. know, do your share and do it when I say, um, I, I think that we're much better to show gratitude and appreciation um, and, and comment. Thank you so much. Yeah. You set the table. It looks so pretty with this little centerpiece and, you know, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and isn't it interesting? One of the first things I do with families that complain about having a picky eater is I say, get them cooking with you because kids, when kids cook, they love, they love their own stuff. You know, um, ah. there's, there's like that pride kind of comes. And so sure. anytime you get a child involved in a task and a chore, they tend to like it more. So, um, yeah, they're, they don't have to that's be a great doing thing. the laundry. You can say, yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's so helpful. You really have this origami shirt folding thing down pat. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope yes. Now, on that, on that note about chores, we do have a viewer question. Uh, and she said, I would like to teach the kids about earning money through chores, but worry they will expect money to clean up and help out. How do you deal with that, Allison Schaefer? Oh, so, so it's a, such a great uh, question because there certainly are parents who feel like, well, I work in the paid workforce. I get paid for the work that I do. So isn't it representational to then say to my kids, I should pay them because they're doing work around the house. I see the logic. But unfortunately, here's why it doesn't work. Okay. Um, one of the reasons is, is that at some point your kids are going to actually have money. You know, grandma's going to give them a hundred bucks and a Christmas card or something. And then you're going to say, go clean your room or make your bed or whatever. And they're going to say, no, nah, I don't need the cash. I'm good. And that wasn't the point of it. The point right. of it wasn't for the money. The, the point of it is you need to do it because it needs to be done. And um, so I think they missed that, that point. Um, but the other thing is that the home is a social organization. It is not an economic labor force. And you do think, and it changes your motivation and it changes the power relationship and it changes the meaning behind the act. And, um, maybe I kind of tease parents when I'm teaching this is like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you would hope that in your romantic bedroom life that you would do that as an act of cooperation because you were like cooperating and inspired if your partner turned around and said, I know you're not feeling like it, but if I gave you 25 bucks, would you change your mind? (laughs) How dare you treat me like that? Right. And so when we pay kids to do things, we belittle them and we we belittle the task. And I bet you the little Marilyn who felt important and grown up doing those tasks and feeling a sense of, of, um, uh, self-esteem around Mm -hmm. your competency, Mm -hmm. that money would diminish that. Mm-hmm. Money would, would rob you of all the good things that come from being yeah. helpful and, and contributing that way. Interesting. Never came in the conversation. That's very interesting because so self-esteem is, is, is such an essential. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I have no, tr- now I did have a list of paid jobs for my kids that were above and beyond their house, their, their expectations for being a family member, because I do believe kids need, um, there's, we don't live in a barter economy. 
you, you know, if they want something, they want to mm -hmm. purchase something. Otherwise, they got to come begging for me, and I don't want to be the gatekeeper. I'd rather set them up on an allowance and 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 organ, like teach some mm -hmm. financial literacy skills. And it's hard for kids to get jobs, unlike in our generation, where yeah, like, I mean, right now, um, mm -hmm. you. Uh, there's, there, there's no babysitting, for example, <laughs> people are social isolating, but a lot of the, the typical jobs, you know, delivering papers and things like that, they're, they're just not around for kids anymore. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fine. I used to have my, my kids work for my company and, you know, um, put stamps on letters and, you know, I'd oh, find yeah, that's good. things, yeah, th things yeah. that were above and beyond the general expectation so they could make some extra money to, to buy their whatever Barbie dolls and things. <laughs> I, you know, I want to talk to you very quickly about, uh, children, siblings fighting. Fighting, fighting, fighting. How do we handle that? Because that's yeah. one of the questions that people are asking. Uh, they're, the, the kids Huge are fighting issue. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Talk, that's the thing that's going to erode, uh, you know, your family happiness, your joy quotient right there. Um, so it, kids typically fight in order to pull a parent in. And, uh, and so it's often done just for parental attention. But the other benefit of pulling a parent in is it's a little bit like tattling. It's you're trying to throw the other sibling under the bus. And there's often one who pokes the bear because they know they've got the more reactive sibling and they're going to get that sibling in trouble. Mm. <laughs> and so, so long as that dynamic is playing out, you can see that there's a usefulness. And so, of course, they're going to keep fighting. It, it, it works for them. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't mm -hmm. help the family, but you can see that there's some utility to it. So I would say to parents, the first thing is to know that there's times when your kids do get along. So they probably have all the skills. They don't need to learn how to get along. Um, they have to decide that they want to get along. And so part of that is from us retreating from the role of refereeing. So I think if you can put aside, even in one weekend, you could do this where you just say to the kids, um, when you are getting along with one another, I will stay and be a playmate with you. So as long as people are playing, mom will play too. The minute you guys start fighting over sharing and who goes first or who won or who got the point or whatever the lame thing is, um, I, I don't care. I don't care who started it. I don't care who was responsible, right, wrong, bigger, smaller. I don't care. I will just leave. And if you'd mm. like to have me come back as a play companion, you need to show me that you're getting along again. And so if you do that consistently over the course of two days, over a weekend, your kids are going to put together play nicely, mummy stay. Play not nicely, mummy go. And that is completely the opposite to what most kids know today. Most kids know that you're going to keep yourself busy in the kitchen or working or on your emails or whatever, and you're going to let them ignore them while they're playing nicely. But the minute they start picking on each other and it escalates, you'll come and deal with them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. play nicely, mom ignores you. Play not nicely, mommy comes and you know, shows up. So I, I just want to undo that learning and, right. and reteach the opposite. We only have a couple more minutes and I don't, I do want to talk about parents and mental health Ugh, and self-care yeah. and I know people are struggling. So, uh, I say this for last in that it's such an important thing that we, we take care of ourselves. So what is the takeaway from Allison Schaefer? To be gentle with yourself, that, that it is not that you are failing at meeting the demands that are put upon you. The demands that have been put upon us are bigger than any normal life. Uh, would would uh, would request, and so if you can just lower your expectations for yourself, and to say, you know, today, just this minute, just this hour, what's the best that I can do? 
Um, you know, so yeah, you're not going to get as much work done as if you were working in the office and yeah, you know what, you're not going to be the refreshed parent as if you had time out of the house and you could come back, you know, rejuvenated. We're just going to, we're going to hold on and and do our best. And if we're compassionate with ourselves because the situation is difficult, I think then we can roll with it a little bit. Um, you know, I've been sort of thinking back to how much I enjoyed watching MASH. Do you remember MASH? I love MASH. MASH was about the craziness of of the insanity of that situation. And what did they do? They laughed. They had fun. They, you know, they, you you just got to let some stuff go, you know? Right. So um, whatever. That's that's a good comparison. That was like in the middle of a war and there they are and they've got casualties coming in and they still find the, the humor in it. Yeah. And so, uh, so I, I think about that term snafu, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So things are a little snafu right now. So whatever, do your COVID humorous, you know, example of that right? and, and have a, have a good laugh. Take, take some of the weight off, be embrace imperfection. I think mm-hmm. one of the best things that we've seen is because people are doing all these workarounds in, you know, how funny that Jimmy Fallon's trying to do his little show and his kids are, are photo bombing it. And how funny is it that the guy that, that, viral videos of, of parents trying to work and kids are throwing milk on them. We're finally becoming human. Yes. Like, we're finally becoming human. I, I know. I, I love it. It's, it's, it's not that, that Instagram mind. filter. I mean, I'm yeah. looking, I'm looking at you through our, our little zoom uh, connection here, which you will not see on this podcast. And I, <laughs> I know how well quaffed you and I are and it's not <laughs> happening today and it's okay. At least you had some. You have lipstick on. Good for you, it's, girlfriend. It's, it's <laughs> honestly, I, I think it's it's um, it, we really if we just orient around our values and just yeah. kind of say, you know what, um, we're we're helping the world first and foremost. We need yes. to, to we need to have the social cohesion of the, of the, our loved ones that are near and dear to us, and that's that's not for physically isolated, but psychologically we're connecting in ways that we never have before. And you know what, if we can get a little work done, great. You know what? If we can like learn a thing or two for school, great. Uh, but the important thing is that we don't shred each other alive. So that's right. there, that's, that's... there's the standard. <laughs> so Allison Shaper, we are going to visit you again for sure. Um, you're such a great uh, person, great parenting expert. Where can we follow you? Yeah. So, I mean, every, all, all my um, information is on my website, alisonshafer.com. But uh, I'm also excited about having just launched my own podcast too, which is just based on parents asking questions. And I'm, so I'm just, it's a Q and A. So if people email me their uh, questions, I will answer them on the podcast. It's up on um, um, iTunes and Spotify, et cetera, but it's, it's parenting the Illyrian way. Um, and wow. so, but it's, it's a Q and a for parents and as well on Instagram, I'm doing a sort of a daily sanity survival tip, just one quick, short, little actionable thing, <sighs> not to overwhelm parents, but just down and dirty, something easy they can do to make life today a little bit easier. So, Give me one right now. Give me one right now. Oh, so one of the ones I'm going to post today, just after this is about if we want kids to be independent, then we got to create some, some, um, change the environment. So instead of giving your kid the big maple syrup jar where they're going to dump the whole thing on their pancakes, put yeah. it into like a little creamer so that okay. they still have the independence. They can still tip it over and do it themselves, but it's a, you know, it's not, it's not all over the place. Yeah. If you want them to yeah. hang up their own clothes then maybe install some hooks instead of giving them hangers. hangers oh, that's hard. Hangers are hard. Listen, I don't even like hangers anymore. They're <laughs> yeah. hard. <laughs> Where do we find Allison Schaefer? Spell it. A-L-Y-S-O-N-S-C-H-A-F-E-R.com. Awesome. Allison Schaefer, thank you. And what? 
I was going to say, Google Parenting Expert Canada, you'll find me. I'm go- I'm very Googleable. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, it's so good to see you, to hear your voice. Good to see you too. Take care. We'll talk again. You bet. Take care. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 